Hey there and welcome to episode number 155 of Marvel by the Month, the podcast that takes you through the history of Marvel Comics one month at a time. In this episode, that month is February 1971. My name is Brian Stratton. Mine is Rob Milne. Mine is Jamie Wenger. Rob, welcome back to the show. Thanks. This is the first time you have been back uh, on the podcast with us in three weeks. How, How was your time away? It was it was great. What I did was I had I didn't have to slog through all of these comics, so I read about <laughs> two thousand pages of other comics nice. uh, while I looked at the ocean, and then we came home and we did some uh, weird Portland tourist things because we you know both grew up here, so we don't usually do that. Uh, so we went to the museum and uh, a few other few other places the art museum uh, it's been years since i've been there so it was it was really fun we exhausted ourselves just nice. <laughs> five hours or something walking <laughs> around the museum you got you some culture yep souvenirs um, do you got any good souvenirs uh we did not collect souvenirs that i can recall um, Whoa! Wow, that's yeah. a, that takes a lot of willpower. Those gift just, shops, just that photos. Was a, that oh, was a, we a very burnt. legalistic denial. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't recall collecting any souvenirs. I just remembered that we did, Barb got something to hold one of the candles she makes. So she occasionally <laughs> makes candles in, as she's doing her other witchcraft stuff. So, um, yeah, it's. I I also just just noticing you're not saying what she makes the candles out of this is a very <laughs> evasive response <laughs> yeah uh that is all i can say at this time my lawyer has advised me to uh plead the fifth okay great <laughs> fair well enough. fair enough uh we're we're so glad you came back uh we missed you uh you know and it is like that old saying you know if you if you really love someone you have to let them go and if they return you know that the stockholm syndrome has fully taken hold mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um so welcome back um thanks uh, but you know, not to kill this this good vibe too quickly. Um, uh, we we did get some sad news while you were out, um, and I feel like this is something like it's it, it happened weirdly long ago for you know how the listeners are hearing this now. But mm. I feel like we we do need to like actually talk about it, uh, which is that Neil Adams passed away um, at the end of April at the age of eighty, yeah. um, which to us in current time is last week. Um, I mean, I don't even quite know where to to begin but like i mean over the course of just the the parts of the podcast we've done so far um we've seen his work on the x-men we've seen his work on thor we've seen he's doing uh the inhumans now with mm-hmm. where we're at in our our crazy uh, um time scale um and we're coming up on his avengers run in a few months so like mm-hmm. we are right at like peak neil adams uh marvel work I can't believe I, I went from like not really knowing who he was to like just worshiping the pages that he draws and getting so excited anytime yeah. I see the style, like because you you recognize it right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now and like I, I feel like I was just getting on the train and, and then this happened. It was that, that was that was a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and I mean, he was amazing artist, but I mean, he was he was such a force for good in the comics industry as well. Like, I, I don't know how much you guys are kind of aware of like the other stuff that Neil uh, did um, during his life. But like he was instrumental in, in basically shaming DC comics um, into compensating Superman's creators, uh, Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster hmm. around the time that the Superman movie came out into like actually, I mean, not giving them a fair cut of all the billions of dollars that Superman made for, um, for the company, but like to give them something. Yeah. Uh, any cut. Some, yeah. And and, you know, so their names on the screen, which yeah. was a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I, he was like all his life. He was, he advocated for creators rights. He was really influential in getting Jack Kirby, his original artwork back in the eighties. He was one of the first guys that we have seen just with the stuff we're reading now where he was like working under his own name for both Marvel and DC comics, which is like a huge workers rights victory. Um, he's just like, no, I'm Neil Adams and I'm going to be Neil Adams at Marvel and I'm going to be Neil Adams at DC and I'm going to have books on the shelves from both of you in the same month and you're just going to go with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't know that he, he could have like disguised his style enough to pass <laughs> under the radar. That's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Picasso, like walking in. I was like, no, I am Mr. <laughs> Nicasso. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. So, I mean, Adams, he was hugely influential. He did so much good stuff. And like, you know, he, he also like basically brought the Bronze Age to life in mainstream comics. Like we have said this time and time again, like he shows up in X-Men and you're like, oh, all of a sudden this feels like we are not in the 60s anymore, even though we still technically were. Yeah. 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 That was that was. The same thing uh, that Jamie said, like, I'm familiar with Neil Adams' work in DC and Marvel, um, but I didn't understand, like, when he started, the minute we saw X-Men with him drawing it, it was like, oh, this is cool now. Like, I mean, Storenko did a couple things that were cool, but uh, this was definitely it. Yeah. And it felt like the Bronze Age. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I gotta say, like, I do feel bad that um, if someone only knew him through our podcast, uh, they would think that like his belief in expanding Earth theory was a much bigger part of his personality than I think it really was. Uh, I mean, we've had a lot of fun with that. But th- I mean, that's like a silly thing that he believed. But it does not absolutely does not change the fact that he was just like this radically transformative uh, figure in, in the comics industry. Um, like everyone creator and reader who came after him just owes an enormous uh, debt of gratitude to. So um, he is definitely on my, my Mount Rushmore of, mm. uh, of comics figures for sure. And speaking of other people who are on my Mount Rushmore of comics figures, <laughs> uh, let's bring in this week's guest. Uh, he, uh, he's one of the people, this is why he's on my Mount Rushmore. Uh, he, he's one of the people at books with pictures uh, who make sure that I get my comics every Wednesday, <laughs> uh, which is, vastly important to my life um uh, he's also a, an extraordinarily talented comics artist in his own right i i would call him the biggest x-men fan i knew uh if i wasn't uh concerned that jamie would just throw off his headphones and walk out of the show <laughs> um but here he is making his debut appearance on marvel by the month it's nick Orr. Hello, how's it going hi. how's it going going nick? good it's going great so far so good yes <laughs> we're we're 10 minutes in uh couldn't be going better yeah uh, we nick we were just talking about uh neil adams um i know you uh you became an x-man fan in the 90s but did you ever go back and revisit any of the stuff that he had done like way back in the day i did not mm-hmm. yeah um, i just you know i may Mm, how do I say this? Without <laughs> problems. Without d- damaging the premise of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I I wasn't very much into the early Marvel days at all. There's lots of reasons why I could go into all of it. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna you know just say that it wasn't wasn't my my cup of tea back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, Sometimes, whenever I am trying to do some research on a certain thing that happened, I go back, and uh, the little things that I do see, 
I would say that maybe 20% of them like, yeah, this is cool. But yeah, for the most yeah. part, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a fair <laughs> assessment of most of what we've been through reading all these comics. Like yeah. uh, we, it's, it's stuff that uh, some of us, we read some in annuals, but um, and many guests who are artists as well. Ibrahim's <laughs> always like, you made me read old comics. And I kind of <laughs> liked it. I liked one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very, it's, it's very normal for people to not have read all of these comics from the sixties. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like, I feel like the two best types of guests to have on the show are, um, you know, like I, you have the, the Mark Wades, the Tom Brevoorts, the Matt Fractions of the world who just know all of this stuff intimately inside and out and see all the connections to everything else and, you know, find all the Easter eggs. And did you know this is the first time this happened? And, and then the other best kind of guest to have is someone who is like almost completely unfamiliar with like 1960s, 1970s Marvel comics. And then we show them to them and they're like, <laughs> what, what did you have me read? What is this? Why? That right. would be me. <laughs> I guess we're on, a, on the right track then. Yeah. It's like someone who has only seen IMAX movies and then kind of like showing them black and white movies. It's like, I, it doesn't make it bad. It's just like a whole other yeah, it, it's such an early version of the art form that like mm-hmm. it, it's hard to see the the through line sometimes. They're not going to be convinced that that train is coming at them straight <laughs> the same through way. the screen. Yeah. Right. So. And correct me if I'm wrong. Back then, there wasn't a lot of hands touching the comics as they got published. Right. It was basically just like two or three people, and that was it. So kind of. Yeah. 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 I mean, you had uh, yeah your your penciler basically did the breakdowns. Um, you had. Uh, the writer would be sometimes they would be involved in the plot up front. Um, like less and less Stan Lee is part of that process right now, but like Roy Thomas would be pretty, um, involved. Um, they would then like script the dialogue after they got the plotted pages back from the penciler and then they get inked. And then like, I mean, the colorist isn't even credited. Um, it's Mm. just, you know, kind of, that was just like a production gig. Um, and then, like, I mean, Stan is the editor technically, but I don't know how much editing he was doing at this point. So, yeah, it was a it was a very lean operation. Yeah, yeah. I can. I don't know if this makes sense, but I can tell. Reading <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. There's also no time left. You know, like as far as editing goes, it's a uh, very limited because these yeah. things are getting done right before deadline in in that month. You know, yeah. Most of the time, it's just whatever they could do and get done is oh, what gets published. Right. And with no email, with no email or yeah. digital, nothing. So you're not like, Oh, it's done. I'll send this off to the printer. You like get in the car and drive or traffic ride, or ride you're, the you're, train across a couple States. And yeah, I stamps, <laughs> bring it I into the office. Right? Stamps were a factor. We don't, we don't know how anything worked in the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> pneumatic tubes. I want to say pneumatic tubes. Yeah. Take, take the trolley over to yeah. the, uh, <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I believe there were zip wagon, lines or trolleys. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Nick, we are super looking forward to getting your perspective uh, on these Marvel comics of February, 1971. Uh, but first um, let's talk a little bit about what was going on in the world in February, 1971. We're going to set a little historical context here. Um, and uh, Rob, uh, do you remember how to do this part? It's been a little while. Vaguely. Uh, you might also get to hear my cat bitey um, just uh, meowing in the background because she broke in. So, uh, but yes, <laughs> let's, let's do this. Um, so, 
New comic series making their debut in February of 1971 included Sabrina the Teenage Witch from Archie Comics and Lancelot Link, a secret chimp from Gold Key based on the TV show of the same name. Also in February, Alan Light published the first issue of the Buyer's Guide to Comics Fandom, later known as Comics Buyer's Guide. Hey. On February 5th, the Apollo 14 mission, commanded by Alan Shepard, achieved the third annual lunar landing. Lunar module Antares landed on the moon near the Fromorow? Fromorow? Sure. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) It did that. At 9.49 a.m. Eastern, Shepard set foot on the moon, and then he and Edgar Mitchell began deploying scientific equipment. While on the moon, Shepard surprised television viewers around the world by driving two golf balls with a makeshift golf club. Golfing on the moon. Wacky. (laughs) The final frontier. (laughs) um let's see on the the 6th of february 1971 uh gunner robert curtis became the first british army soldier to die in the northern ireland conflict referred to colloquially as the troubles between the majority protestant and minority catholic residents of northern ireland wow on the 8th of february south africa's white minority government eased its apartheid regulations to a degree by allowing mixed race Africans to work in construction jobs formerly limited to whites only. Uh, Black South Africans were still barred from working on white projects in Pretoria and the change in policy prompted by a shortage of skilled workers was limited to bricklayers and plasterers. Uh, Gert Bietke, the general secretary of the all-white union of building workers, criticized the decision of the labor ministry and said that it marked, quote, the death knell to white building workers. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Oh, South Africa. (laughs) (laughs) On February 9th, 1971, at exactly 41 seconds after six o'clock in the morning local time, the 6.5 magnitude Silmar earthquake struck the greater Los Angeles area and lasted 12 seconds. 58 people were killed by falling debris. Another seven died from heart attacks. Most of the deaths were in the collapse of the Olive View Hospital and the VA Hospital in Silmar. Um, and also on the 9th of February, uh, Satchel Page became the first primarily Negro League player to become voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. Page had played five full seasons in the American League after the integration of Major League Baseball, but was enshrined for his 18 years in the first and second Negro National Leagues and the Negro American League. The original plan by the Hall, this is crazy, was to admit one Negro League player per year as part of a new exhibit commemorating the contributions of the Negro Leagues to baseball, to be honored by plaques separately located but (laughs) equal to those of the MLP players. Oh my god. Oh, baseball. Uh, (laughs) After critics pointed out the irony of segregating the honor, the plan would be revised in time for Page's formal enshrinement. Uh, At the time of the decision, only two African-American players, Jackie Robinson and Roy Campanella, were enshrined in the Hall of Fame, uh, both of them for their Major League Baseball achievements. On the 10th, U.S. President Richard Milhouse Nixon ordered the installation of a voice-activated audio tape recording system to be installed within the Oval Office and the telephones used by the president in the White House. So, whoa, 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 whoa. It was voice-activated? I've never heard yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it gets better. The order from Nixon was passed to Alexander Butterfield by way of White House Chief of Staff H.R. Haldeman and Haldeman's assistant. Lawrence Higby, making them the only White House officials aware of the secret recording system. 
<laughs> this is something that will never come back into uh, anything uh, historically right. significant. Uh, this is not foreshadowing of anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. On February 11th, the U.S., U.K., USSR, and 61 other nations signed the Seabed Arms Control Treaty, outlawing, outlawing nuclear weapons on the ocean floor. Thanks to pressure from Namor, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> so at least we got the nukes off of the ocean floor. Yes. Uh, yeah. so, it's, it's a start, I guess. <laughs> good job, everybody. Stop making kaijus. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, one week later, on the 18th of February, Richard Nixon proposed his program for national health care, uh, which he called the National Health Strategy. Uh, <laughs> under the Republican president's plan, all U.S. employers, ranging from giant corporations to the couple with a maid, would pay 65% of the health insurance premium for their employees starting on July 1st, 1973, increasing to 75% by 1976. And that's why we have universal health care today. <laughs> uh, the socialist, huh? Mm -hmm. uh, on February 28th, 1971, motorcycle stuntman Robert Evil Knievel broke his own world record by jumping over 19 cars prior to the beginning of the 1971 Miller High Life 500 stock car race in Ontario, California. <laughs> uh, that is the most Rob uh, sentence I could have put in the notes. <laughs> uh, Knievel commented to reporters afterward that he had been helped by the fact that the 19 automobiles were all small cars, Dodge <laughs> Colts. Maybe if Dodge starts making them smaller, I'll try for 20. Uh, but a so, so evil, Knievel. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. Uh, that's what was going on uh, in February of 1971. Um, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to start talking about the comic books of February 1971 right here on Marvel by the Month. Regular listeners know that uh, we somehow entered into a deal to promote one of Marvel's 1970s advertisers uh, in each episode of the season. I do not remember signing this contract. Honestly, I'm a little concerned that we are opening ourselves up to being considered accessories uh, to mail fraud. Yeah, uh, the last couple of ads that I read while Rob was out, they weren't so bad. Uh, I, I think Marvel started establishing some higher standards. Uh, we did that ad for a model rocket kit and another for helping high school dropouts with their diplomas. Yeah, yeah I heard those. The same that seemed totally reasonable. You know. Yeah, I, it, they were certainly way better than than some of the ones we've been doing earlier in the season. Um, but anyway, we got another one to do. Uh, Rob, you're back now, so uh, we're we're passing the ball back to you. Uh, it's up to you to keep this streak alive. No problem. Here goes. America's most amusing pet, squirrel monkey. Oh, no. <laughs> Good, healthy stock from South America at a special low price. No. Will amuse children and adults for hours. No, no. <laughs> Only $13.95 FOB with cage. Oh, God, stop. <laughs> Send cashier's check or money order with your telephone number and nearest airport. I hate this. I hate this. Why did we do this? These poor squirrel monkeys. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, they're terrible pets. Uh, it says here in this Mental Floss article that the two most common squirrel monkey traits are throwing feces and frequent masturbation. That does not make me feel any better at all. Uh, okay, well, we're going to turn the page on that. Um, we're also <laughs> supported each and every week by our patrons at patreon.com slash marvel by the month. Uh, 
I don't believe they throw their feces. Maybe they frequently masturbate, but uh, they're the ones who actually make it possible for us to make this show every single week. We are so grateful to them for that. Uh, and everyone who supports us at the $4 a month level gets access to our bonus feed with 40 Patreon-exclusive epi- extended episodes and bonus episodes. That's less than four squirrel monkeys a year. <sighs> Those extended episodes are where you really get the full Marvel by the Month experience. We take deeper dives into more comics and have longer conversations with some of our favorite guests like Elliot Kalin, Clint McElroy, Ibrahim Mustafa, Mike Allred, Joe Keating, Douglas Wolk, Paul Kupperberg, Tom Brevoort, Mark Evanier, Matt Fraction, and as of this week, Nick Orr. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you will love it. <laughs> And if you think that the episodes you're getting in the public feed are enough, great. We'd still appreciate your support so we can keep on making them. Yeah, this show is a lot of fun to make. Uh, It's also a lot of work to make as well. Uh, So thank you so much to all of you who support us at patreon.com slash Marvel by the month and make it that much easier to keep doing this. Welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Let's talk about Captain America number 137 to stalk the Spider-Man. To stalk the Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, it's written by Stan Lee, art by Gene Colan and Bill Everett doing the finishes. Um, last issue, Cap fell down a giant hole and Falcon <laughs> went down to save him with a jetpack that Tony Stark whipped up for him. Uh, Cap... Uh, fell while he was fighting a giant intelligent gorilla who could transform from scientist Dr. Gorbo at Gorbo. will. Uh, Mole Man saved Cap and the gorilla when they were falling into this giant hole, uh, but they but they fought the Mole Man because Gorbo accused Cap of being a spy. Mole Man was rightfully mad that the U.S. had dug the giant hole to throw nuclear waste down uh, right above Mole Man City. And anyway, Gorilla Guy dead. Mole Man cooled down as long as nobody dumps nuclear waste on him, and he even gave Falcon and Cap a lift back to the surface with some anti-gravity thing he has. And that's where we start this uh, issue. Hey, interesting tie into the news with the uh, no nukes on the seafloor concept. Mm. Now we've got no nukes on the earth floor concept. Right, yeah. right. Um, so, so here Cap and Falcon uh, and Red Wing surface, People are pretty surprised that Cap's not dead because everyone just assumed he fell down this hole they dug and he's dead. Uh, I just, I just, I just have to say this now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think I, I don't think I've hated an issue of comic book reading ever in my life as much as I've hated this one. Oh. And I don't think, and I think it's quite justified to be honest. Yeah. But still, oh, God. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I was reading it and I almost stopped because I was like, there's, there's no way I can handle everything happening in this. Like on the first, was the second page? I don't know if you, I don't know how you're going to talk about but like this, this woman just faints. Because yes. she, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Sharon she's Carter. So like, yeah. what, what, what is it? She's that, that's Sharon Carter. That's she's an agent of shield. And like, she faints because he's alive and his well is like, Oh no. He's, <sighs> oh, what if he died? And he painted. And I'm just like, wait, she's a, she's an age. Why would, yeah, I should have yeah. known. I should have known when I read that that everything would be downhill from there. But you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna sure, disappoint surely you this further. Is as bad as it'll get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. this uh, strong spy uh, agent of Shield. Um, she did, you know, think her her 
basically her boyfriend that, that she's broken up with cap was dead. And so she had a day or so of thinking he was dead. And then she passes out from surprise because that's how they write. Well, that's how women are. They, they, they fall from yeah. surprise. They can't handle things. That's yeah. How that yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's always worse when it's Stan too. Um, uh, and here we go. So, uh, so Sharon Carter passes out, uh, cap wearing a, a, a maroon jumpsuit, uh, that, and we get from underneath the yeah. view of her fainting as you're like under her body, like looking, looking up. Yeah. yeah. This is another Chelsea Kane headache from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yep. so, uh, and caps looking for Sharon in the crowd. Um, but uh, so Cap and Falcon climb out. They let the general know that they can't dump their waist down their new big hole because uh, <laughs> and, and because of the mole man. And the general says, maybe this is a lesson for all of us, gentlemen. We can no longer despoil the planet we live on. Sooner or later, we'll all have to pay the price. <laughs> so that lesson learned. Um, I like the way it's just Stan slips that message in so subtly, uh, <laughs> right, right? And so organically, um, it's like you really you have to you have to read that page three or four times before you pick up what he's laying down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I also love that in the bottom left panel, uh, Falcon looks like he has a pearl necklace on. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, oh my god, he does. And I yeah. pointed that out. I was like, oh, this is nice. All right, yeah. I don't hit it as much anymore, but <laughs> that would have been nice. <laughs> but that's his weird Falcon medallion uh, chain, yeah, yeah, um, which is not practical, I think, if you're going to roll around in fisticuffs. But I'm I'm not an expert in that. Uh, so, um, Cap notices that Sharon isn't around, and then gets very moody very fast. Yeah, um, he is he's upset that she's not there. Um, he and and Falcon uh, get on Cap's motorcycle, and they they head to the uh, abandoned tenement that I guess Cap parks his motorcycle in. <laughs> which is, uh, and Cap is sassy the whole time. Uh, he yeah. is. He's Despite just, the fact that he's got his best bro riding on the bike behind him. Yeah, they're they're ha- you know he like Sam's trying constantly to to be like let's talk let's talk it out. You know you're mad about Sharon fine uh but all he's getting from cap is flack and like uh you know being a a grumpy guy so are are they roommates i don't think so i think they both have (laughs) their own how do do you mean that (laughs) well yeah (laughs) Yeah. they're very close well i mean just to be fair i remember there was a bubble where he says something about being straight if you're looking for a straight man, try someplace else. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I was so just like, about to bring that up. Yeah. Like, what now? There's so, also what, a line what? that says, it's late, it's dark, no one's apt to see us now. Yeah. yeah. And on page uh, five, the panel on the left, they're they're getting changed. They're inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I, I didn't know if they were like, yeah, I don't know if that's their like superhero headquarters or what, what the deal is exactly. Yeah. But this could all be read pretty, yeah, coded. Um, mm-hmm. So up to this point, <laughs> but the, um, so Sam's not enjoying this sassy cap thing. Um, and the weirdness makes Sam think that, and he's, he, I think he's think he actually thinks this instead of saying it out loud. Uh, anytime he wants to trade gripes, I'll match him two for one. I figure any black man can. Um, so there's again, Stan being real subtle, uh, about, about his issues. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But before he says that, he he has this is where it gets bad. He uses the term whipping boy. Uh, he's like, I don't he's you know, I didn't sign on to be this. And yeah, that was the the moment where I was like, oh, oh, no, here we yeah. go. Um, yeah. Oh, that it, was the moment. OK, well, <laughs> at this point, uh, at this point, a, a strong female character fainting uh, mm-hmm. out of surprise is pretty normal. But the oh, yeah. bar that's like the. Mm-hmm. the the low bar and then it just dropped right there. I, uh. I'm new to this whole old comic reading stuff, mm-hmm. but how uh, okay, so I know back in the day mm-hmm. there was a lot of black writers around. Right. So I'm curious to know how these uh Caucasian men wrote these black characters. Yeah. Yeah. And how did they get away with it? Like I feel like reading this, I'm like, okay, I mean, mm, it just seems so so stereotypical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously I knew that, but like reading it and be, like you wouldn't read something like this now. No. Right? no. So, no. so me reading it from back then, uh it's it's very jarring for me to like see it on paper. And be like, oh, okay, well, yeah. I mean, I knew this was true, but wow. Yeah. And it's like, all right, Stan, um, you are a white man. I forget. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And you're not running this by any black friends. Like, that's yeah, for sure. Exactly. Like, that's what I was that's yeah. what I meant. Like, like, I don't think they had them around to be like, hey, do you think you would do this? And I was like, um, probably not. But <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> if so, I certainly wouldn't phrase it like that. Oh, yeah. For real. Uh, prior to this point, like especially in the early days of Marvel, when Stan especially is introducing black characters and when he's writing black characters, they are like incidentally black. Like it's just he kind of lets their presence do the talking, um, mm. but doesn't like make any sort of explicit reference to their blackness. Um, and like as things have gone on, um, we're seeing like now there's more... It, it seems like he, he like when Black Panther first shows up, there's other than the fact that he's clearly black and they're in Africa, like he doesn't talk about being black. He doesn't like none of his his speech carries that through. Um, even when Falcon first shows up, like he's not there's no like if you wouldn't know that he was a black character if you weren't seeing him on the page, like yeah, the way that right. he's written. So now what we're starting to see is like Marvel writers are trying to write black characters explicitly black. And it's like, I would say mostly unsuccessful. We have, we've read a couple issues. Like there was a, an Iron Man issue that Archie Goodwin wrote that I thought he did a really good job. So it's like, I feel like you can tell there are some of these guys who do have, black friends in their life um or who at least are paying attention to things a little bit more clearly like two um uh uh, really in the marvel bullpen archie goodwin yeah as a writer and gene colon was who's doing this art yeah as Mm -hmm. an he's the one who's really started introducing black characters and also making black characters not gray uh like insisting yeah uh And, and yeah. drawing them. I'm as sorry, it's like yeah. terrible, but it's this is what. If I was an artist or colorist back then, yeah, I would have made every character black. It's like what? 
it wasn't noted (laughs) (laughs) and honestly that's been kind of like what colin has been doing in captain america recently it's like he's pushing to get uh falcon as cap's partner um he sets a lot of the stories in harlem and like there have been some stories where basically cap is the only white character in the entire book and all the black characters have distinct it's not like he is drawing the black character he knows how to draw it's Mm. like everyone has their own distinct features. Um, and it, it's like, it's, there's nothing else like it in comics at this point. So that's great. But, but, but this is how low the bar is. That's what yeah, we're right, trying right. to yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you, when you're starting from zero, like one looks like something. <laughs> so, yeah. That, I, and like, this is the first or second issue where they renamed the title. Is that, yeah, yeah, it just became Captain America and the Falcon. Yeah, yep. yeah so like, there's some like font choices there that maybe don't make that as good as it could be, mm-hmm. and the, like, even the side boxes like yeah. Like when you asked me, oh, when it came up about why I didn't read comics from those days, <laughs> why? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yep. yeah. It's just basically just like I, the, the, the the dialogue, the subject matter, everything was just so problematic for me. I was like, well, you know what? I have the newer comics, and those aren't upsetting me that much. I'll yeah. read those yeah. and not read these. And yep. that's pretty much how it has gone for a long time. So that yeah. seems fair. And it, yeah. and it's just <laughs> confirming the, what you thought, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, and that is the case. And that is what we are always, you know, chipping, uh, going through and like trying to point out these, this difference and, and whenever it improves or has any progressive notes, but it's still, this is like a, it's been a terrible 10 years of comics or history too, that are, is going mm-hmm. on at the same time. And it's certainly white writers, white artists making stuff for white guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, th- yeah. I think it's important to, to talk about this stuff too, because I mean, I think especially with, you know, the, the rise of Marvel films and, and TV shows and, you know, there, there's like a new reverence for, you know, the source material and, you know, I, I think certainly in the comics community, which, you know, has traditionally been made up of dudes who look like us, um, you know, like there is a sort of, you know, oh, the glory days, you know, the the, mm. you know, the silver age, the golden age of <laughs> right, comics. And right. like, you know, I mean, it, it, it's sort of that toxic nostalgia, right? You know, like you're it's like, yeah, I mean, I think if <laughs> if you're living in a world that was designed specifically for you those are really fantastic um and there's you know nothing but but positive memories associated with them but it's like let's also kind of take a step back and realize you know when people complain about comics today like i'm just like you know some of the stuff i I understand why you don't like some of it but like some of the stuff has improved dramatically yeah (laughs) yes it has i i'm always curious whenever i read uh, characters that are not white. Uh-huh. I always wonder because I'm not white, so I can't like jump in the head of a white man to figure out like why did you create this black character and why did you create a character that was not white? Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying mm-hmm. to. I always wonder is like what made you decide to make this character black? Because for one, if you don't have any black friends and you don't know any black people really what made you decide to do that? Like, what was the catalyst for that change in you to do that? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a pretty pessimistic person. So I always just assume that it's because they want to like 
appease someone else. And it's not basically for their own benefit or for their willingness to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm always curious to know what was going on when they created the Black Panther or, you know, the Falcon. Well, you know, I think I I do think from what we've read and, and the bios we've read for Jack and, and Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, I don't think they they were trying to make like inroads to get a broader audience or anything with these. I think this was a, from a progressive ideal that he started introducing them. So it not, it's not good and it's not in a great way, but I think it's from a, he's trying from this good place that is not uh, financially motivated or necessarily uh and, and I think some of it's just from being both of them being uh, Jewish and being Stan and Jack and, and dealing with uh, a lot of the things they dealt with growing up and, and, and through world war two and uh, trying to be more inclusive, but this is it. This is like as far as it gets and it's still, <laughs> and, and Stan. And I, when I say inclusive, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, being like gender inclusive because, mm-hmm. Oh God, uh, Stan. What? What does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It, there's no. There's there's fainting women, and then there's you know strong guys, and yeah. uh, and that's still the way it is. And occasionally we get uh, some bit of of power and agency from a female character, but that's also rare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah. I mean. I don't know. It's not. It's not going to help the pessimism any because it's still just some white guy uh, trying to to you know do something progressive and doing it really bad. And we've seen worse. Trust me. We've seen uh, Roy Thomas writing. You know, black white oh. supremacists. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> So you know you don't need to read these as you well, only only the one time though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so okay, I'll keep we'll keep rolling, but but keep yeah. it coming. You know it's it it's all fair and it's all fair game. But um, mm-hmm. and and that the, so all of this uh, whatever push and pull between Cap leads to Sam deciding he needs to go out alone and prove the rep of the Falcon as his own hero. Uh, um, he's just sort of like. I don't, I know I'm working. I know I've agreed to be a sidekick. I know I'm, you know, partner with cap, but, um, I need to make my own name. So he heads out with red wing and he quickly, almost immediately, of course, yeah. cause it's, it's comics, uh, spots Spider-Man who of, is of course being chased by cops because, you know, he's got the worst reputation thanks to J Jonah Jameson. Um, so he's always being chased by cops. Uh, so Falcon decides he's going to capture Spider-Man, uh, but he can't keep up with the web slinger because he doesn't have a jetpack anymore or it ran out of gas and Tony Stark isn't going to give him any more gas. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> he, he decides that all, all he needs to do is let red wing follow Spidey and then catch up with red, red wing or red wing will come back and tell him where he is. Um, then Wait, can you talk to birds in this? He he can talk to one bird. He's trained this falcon, but he can't 
like there's no magic to it. This is just a because okay, you do know where I'm going with this. Yes, this <laughs> <laughs> is a highly specific task he's asking this bird to do. Okay, that because you know, like later on, how he can talk to birds and animals and shit. And yeah, he's like mm-hmm. oh, okay, I don't know where that came from, but okay, let's go with it. Yeah, right. at this point, it's just it's just a very well trained bird. He's just okay. got to bond with this bird. Um, uh, so, <laughs> uh, then, uh, uh, as he sort of gives up on chasing Spider-Man and lets Redwing go after him, uh, he's interrupted to stop a mugging. Um, and that is just sort of a random, he jumps in, takes out two guys who are mugging this lady, uh, and then waits for the cops to come. Um, it's, it's weird. I don't, I'm not sure why it needed to happen in the story at all, other than to say that he couldn't keep up with Spider-Man right now so that he can get a report back from the, the Falcon, the Red Wing, the actual Falcon later. Um, so once he's handed over the muggers, he's, uh, he heads back to the roof, roof and is surprised by Cap, who is there to apologize. Um, but when Cap tries to apologize, Falcon doesn't answer right away. And Cap says, of course. well say something will you want me to think you're a racist and again i have not uh i've not cringed this much and in quite a few months and i just took a couple weeks off so this is this is also hitting me pretty (laughs) yeah you're right back in it now yeah Uh, just so you know this is the moment when i stopped i I stopped right here and i was like you know what yeah I was like, there's I'm an sure off I'm sure I have to read all of this. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. I could just stop and be okay and have yeah. enough information from just that one sentence <laughs> yeah. to talk for the whole thing. Yep. That. And that's what, so I, I think I was mentioning this during the break, but like, I am not convinced that Stan scripted this issue because, and I'm not trying to make apologies for Stan. He's certainly, <laughs> like, he said plenty of tone deaf nonsense, but he he tends not to make explicit references to uh Jamie you've talked about this before where like uh i think we've seen this mostly with Roy Thomas but it, it's um where a character uh a, a female character uh everyone makes reference to them being female like oh yeah right right you can't have a woman on the panel without someone saying miss lady or ma'am or yeah. girl right female yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and and that's a thing that that like Roy tends to do with black characters as well. Um, is kind of like shoehorn this like, hey, don't forget you're black. Um, yeah. uh, but it's something we don't see as much from Stan. And I'm not saying that he couldn't have scripted this. I'm just saying like it doesn't doesn't ring quite true for his voice. Maybe he's maybe he did script this and he was like trying to introduce more of that because he thought this is the well this is the way we're going now. Mm. Um. So he's just like doing it you know, awkwardly, but um, yeah. Anyway, it just, that, that jumped out at me as being just like, Jesus, you know, like you just don't, we haven't seen a lot of that sort of thing. Um, as, as, it's funny because like you just see him in the panel and then you see Falcon smiling and being like, Oh, Oh, you know, yeah, he at least yeah. says, "Oh, shut up, partner." That's the most yeah. diplomatic way you could answer that. With I a think. Smile yeah. In his face. Like, yeah. Um, okay. I think adding to that that it, uh, theory that it's not Stan that he says, "Say something, will ya?" The will ya mm-hmm. is not that. That's not like normal cap speak. I don't think. Not to focus on the less 
overtly awful part of so, that. But, am I hearing just, that you don't think he wrote any of it? No, I think I he, he yeah. I mean, my guess would be he said the story outline to Gene and then he said, and then he maybe wrote some of it, but there, there's a lot of things this month, like the Thor comics that say Stan wrote them Thor in the last few comics went from mildly Shakespearean to just dumb levels of Shakespearean. Everybody talks um, like uh, doest thou um, <laughs> like they're, they're saying things that aren't even in like a King, King James Bible of, you know, like Shakespearean words. And so there's been a weird few indicators that I'm like, Stan is like, really off trying to sell a cartoon or something and mm. barely paying attention to this, but that doesn't mean that he didn't, he definitely okayed it. So <laughs> there's that, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh, like this, this, and this still also rings totally, you know, within the boundaries of, of the, like I said, the casual racism and misogyny, bigotry in general, uh, and just tone deaf writing that we've seen yeah. from Roy and, um, but so, you know, it's traumatic and I'm sorry that it's, it's going to just keep going right now, Nick, but thank you yeah. for reading these. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, honestly, I think we can maybe fast forward a little bit. Like, I know we're, we're going a little long on this one and the conversation has been great, but um, I can jump to the, the so the story part is Red Wing comes back, says uh, somehow uh, at Falcon can follow Red Wing back to where Spider-Man went because of all of the wonderful Falcon training. So Falcon That's a very well-trained Falcon. Yeah. Uh <laughs> so the Falcon gets to uh Peter Parker's apartment um right as Peter Parker is heading out to get the evening news paper uh and that leaves Harry Osborn <laughs> sitting in the apartment. So <laughs> the Falcon does comic book logic and just says red wings never wrong best trained falcon ever um that's got to be spider-man sitting in a chair reading a book he looks pretty uh i don't know where all his muscles went but uh i'm gonna jump through this window (laughs) and uh and and grab him and take him to the cops so that's what he does and he he takes off um gets harry down to the street but he climbs out the window with him which is like I don't know, 10 stories up and mm-hmm. Peter Parker is down on the street and sees this and also recognizes the Falcon is like, why is the Falcon taking my roommate hostage? <laughs> this is pretty weird. Changes into Spider-Man goes after him. Um, and you know, he's Spider-Man. He, he kind of just knocks <laughs> the Falcon out after a few, uh, a few punches are exchanged and, um, and then puts a spider tracer on him. Then, uh, then Red Wing goes because this is the best trained Falcon ever uh, to Captain America, who's out jump doing just sweet jumps with his motorcycle. Um, you know, <laughs> just to throw this back to the evil Knievel part of the news, um, because he's checking out the you know work he did on the carburetor. So he's uh, anyway. Red Wing uh, gets Cap, leads Cap back to where the Falcon is. Um. And then oh yellow moment yeah oh, yellow like what who's in the well <laughs> yep Timmy, Timmy. oh yeah right right he's <laughs> trapped in the well uh, so <laughs> uh, he then uh, we see them talking about it uh, Falcon's even more grumpy than Cap was at the start of this issue now um, 
and we find out that Stoneface has been uh, let out on parole and they're they're watching Cap and Falcon and they're going to go after the Falcon first to try to, uh, you know, make it easier to get Cap next. So if they get them separately, that's the plan. That's where we end. We get to find out that next Captain America, the Falcon, Spider-Man and Stoneface get it all together, whatever that means. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's how we know what that means. You know know. know what that means. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just a little bit of, you know, light breaking and entering and kidnapping. Um, and, uh, oh boy. Normal superhero misunderstanding fights, you know, and again, the other horrors of, uh, 1970s writing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, I, I, I don't hate when casual violence happens to Harry Osborn. That's not the worst. That's a good point. But, uh, yeah, everything else, uh, boy, yeah, this, this is a rough one. So I, I will say if I have to find one positive thing about this mm-hmm. whole comic is that it's over. No, just kidding. Um, because <laughs> uh, I like the Falcons green and, uh, orange little color scheme. Right? Yeah. It's a good ensemble. Um, I, 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 I liked it. Uh, yeah. granted, yes, the necklace is pointless and it just shouldn't be there. Um, and I liked how his his rope appeared and disappeared throughout the whole oh yeah uh, issue yeah um, but yeah no it's cool that I think cool. he's a, he's a really uh, interesting heroic character before he gets the wings I mean not that he's not after he gets the wings but mm-hmm. like I guess I didn't realize just how long it took him to finally get you know the flying power um, mm. how long how long did it take I mean because um, he he was introduced when like a couple years ago at this point mm-hmm. right like at least a couple of years ago. So, um, and he's just a, a guy, he's a social worker. Like that's his day job. And he, right, right. uh, and you know, he obviously trains Falcons well and, uh, <laughs> like extremely well. Like, yeah. Like the best you could do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, and I don't know when exactly he, he finally gets, I know black Panther winds up giving him the wings. Um, oh, really? Is that true? Yep. Mm-hmm. I didn't know but, that. Because Tony Stark won't give him any gas for the jetpack. He just <laughs> made right. it's like, yeah, it's like, well, hell with you, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the Panther, uh, let, let's take a break um, because I would like to tell you all about uh, the origin of the Black Panther, which you think you know, but we're going to add a little bit more to it. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back uh, with uh, Avengers number 87 right here on Marvel by the Month. All right. Welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Uh, fellas, we have reached that point in the podcast uh, where we need to just blow through the rest of the issues that came out this <laughs> month, uh, just like motorists in our fair city blow through stop signs because they know that the Portland Police Bureau is basically refusing to do their jobs. <laughs> um, so we're going to do that uh, in a segment that we call Marvel by the Minute. It's Marvel by the Uh, The rules, as you know, are simple. We get one minute to cover each remaining story. Once that minute is up, we move on to the next issue. Uh, Nick, you don't have to participate in any of this nonsense unless you want to. You are more than welcome to ask insightful follow-up questions or just heckle us. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. all good. I'm so Uh, excited. Uh, and then I have one note, uh, amazing Spider-Man 96 came out this month. Uh, we're going to be saving that one and the next couple of Spidey issues for a very special episode coming up in just a few weeks. So, uh, that's why we're not covering it this time. 
Um, all right, Rob, we're going to start with you since uh, you've had a few weeks away. Uh, mm. So I'm sure your mind is sharp uh, and oh, primed sharp. to do uh, the, the one minute treatment on Amazing Adventures number six. Uh, the first story uh, is called Hell on Earth. At least it's um, that. That's a, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got that. I think this is the Inhuman story, right? Um, it's written by Roy Thomas. Uh, the art is by Neil Adams and John Verputin. You have 60 seconds on the clock, and they begin now. Okay, Karnak and uh, oh, geez, this is going bad already. <laughs> uh, Gorgon, they they break Maximus out of this uh containment field because Black Bolt has taken off. It turns out Maximus has a power, and it's a mind control power. So uh, Maximus, uh, they try to fight him, but he brain blasts them. He brain blasts Medusa. Black Bolt, meanwhile, is in uh, in a city by the bay in the USA, and he is uh, <laughs> he's uh, lost his memory. So he finds some normal people clothes, um, and then uh, walks with a kid and mumbles at while he's standing at a dock and totally destroys a boat and causes a tsunami um, uh, just with the word I. And then he realizes maybe he shouldn't talk. Maximus is, this is his plan because he's going to send out amnesiac black bolt to cause, uh, to make the humans fight against the the inhumans. Uh, They all, all the inhumans are trying to fight black bolt. I mean, Maximus. Oh God. (laughs) <laughs> I'm proud of you. You did great. Must have been. Thank you. <laughs> the royal family get away on a flying scooter thing. The end. I don't know what this is. They about. crash. They crash. Yeah. They get but away, and then they, they get crash. away from Maximus. Saying, right? right. Yeah. What is it about again? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, Rob, I heard again. things. I heard sentences and words, and I don't know. I, it's I it's the like... Inhumans. They're fighting among themselves. Um, and Maximus the Mad is causing. He's trying to take over instead of Black Bolt, which is always the case with the Inhumans. There's one Inhumans plot, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, uh, I read that uh, Black Bolt when he was put in jail. Oh yeah. That, that was, was good. Amazing. That yes. was the only inhuman thing I've ever read. That was great. That's what the absorbing man too, like in uh Ahmed. I'm gonna is that the right name? Is that the author's name? Ahmed, I think is the last name. I mean uh, Do you have it right there? Oh yeah. I I feel like I have it. Yes. Oh, it's like Saladin Ahmed, yeah. Yeah, Saladin Ahmed. Thank yes. You. That artwork is Ahmed. so stunningly yeah. beautiful. It it's like what I always wanted Simon Bisley to look like when i was reading that stuff in the 90s yeah but that was just more like airbrushed heavy metal stuff. do you think there's a curse on the inhuman franchise or do you think the inhumans are just badly created i think i think the inhumans uh was jack kirby's curse on marvel comics mm. uh, when he, when he left um, he, he cast some dark magic on them. I, yeah, I don't think they, I mean, I do think they were kind of bland, much like the Eternals, but I think they could have like any kernel of anything they've ever made in the Marvel universe. There's plenty of things where I'm like, you're going to make a movie out of Iron Man. That's just the dumbest idea. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then they, you know, they do it well, like they can take all the, these little bits of this massive continuity and make something really interesting I don't know what you can do with the you know, I, I'm just trying to like yeah you, I mean, as you, I said the only thing I read that was good was that and like maybe 
the Some Kardashians. that Medusa was in, but they were with uh, they were in a cast of all women, the A Force, I think. It was. Oh, A Force, yeah, yeah. Fun. yeah. That's yeah. it. Uh, yeah, the Karnak right. series is sick. That was really. Oh fun. yeah, that one was good. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it as much, but it was not bad. So yeah, I yeah. that's the plus. So if you take I, one Inhuman and make stories around them, ah, then right. it works. <laughs> it's, it's the S at the end of the title that causes yeah. the problem. There you go. Um, okay, well, uh, good news. Jamie, uh, the story you're going to talk about only has one character in oh, it. No. Um, oh, no. Oh, so, no, not this one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jamie, you're going to be talking about the Black Widow story from Avengers, uh, Amazing Adventures number six, Blood Will Tell. You seem by- nervous. What's happening? Oh, I, just, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I think I got all these. I have them under control. This is as impossible as to summarize that second for us. Black, that Black Widow story. Anything but that. I'll be totally fine. Yep. Well, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Roy Thomas wrote this one. Um, the art is by Don Heck and Salby Sama. Um, and yeah, I mean, good luck. I honestly don't remember anything about this story, but you've got 60 seconds starting right now. <laughs> All right. Black Widow's leaving a hospital and some guy tries to grab her and she stops a mugging and says some pithy stuff. Then some <laughs> cops show up, uh, but then they sort of arrest her instead. And then she's like, oh, I, oh, and they're like, hey, we don't know who those guys that were killed at your apartment the other day were. And she's like, oh, you know, like I <laughs> killed them as surely as I cured my ex-husband, the Red Guardian, which she brings up for no reason. And then we cut to like an ambulance that's carrying a, like a crazy guy who's uh, making threats and talking about crimes. And he's maybe hurt. They bring him into the hospital. We get a gratuitous shot of Black Widow changing into her costume. Uh, and then, like, some green guys rescue the guy from the ambulance. They've got little moons and stars on their chest plate. Um, uh, and then there's very suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere, a rooftop fight where the guys are bringing the the leader who was in the thing from the beginning. Uh, they're getting him out <laughs> on a helicopter, and the Black Widow fights them, uh, and uh, they get away. I think they get away. Wow. Is that it? I think yeah. that was pretty close. I think we broke Dick. <laughs> I, I, okay after you did that please tell okay what was that about i'm trying to figure out like you guys are talking about these things i'm just like all right i'm just trying to feel like like is there a summary is there like a, a <laughs> that's what we ideally what would be doing an, an elevator pitch kind of a thing happening no it's just words version? and like things happening i'm like i don't know what's i don't know what yeah. to think I don't know what's happening. All I know is that there are words happening. Yeah, I, this is like a, a collection of scenes rather than a comprehensive story. And like yeah. maybe maybe I'm being unkind to it, but she's I, fighting a cult leader called the Astrologer, and this is like a continued story. That's all I remember about it. Um, yeah. That's really maybe all you need to know. <laughs> she's fighting so, yeah. a cult leader you know named the Astrologer. That yeah, that, yeah, that is right. a little better of a summary, and and it's only going to get worse from here because yeah. there's like a Fantastic Four issue coming up that I'm going to do Ooh. that is going <laughs> to sound like. It's seriously going to sound like I'm on mushrooms. So, yeah. Well, uh, this may happen with the one I'm about to tell you. About. Oh, yeah. So uh, this is uh, this month's issue of Daredevil. Daredevil number 75 now rides the ghost of El Condor, written by Jerry Conway, 
Art by Gene Colan and Sid Shores. Oh, wow. Yeah, this was yeah. this was a thing. So uh, 60 seconds on the clock, and here I go. Uh, so this is early Jerry Conway, which means it has like uh, 300% more words than it needs to. But <laughs> oh, man. Um, basically, Daredevil and Foggy, Matt Mur- Murdock and Foggy Nelson are in a Latin American country called Delvadia uh, doing something for the State Department. Um, uh, Daredevil starts the issue by breaking up a mugging. Um, and, uh, of a diplomat. He's like a diplomat guy. Yeah. There's a diplomat. Um, and, uh, <laughs> they save him. Uh, but then the ambulance, uh, folks who were taking him away are corrupt and they turn him away to his kidnappers. Um, Matt changes into daredevil, um, and starts pursuing, uh, the, there's this guy who, a masked guy called El Condor, um, who is taking his uh, his reputation from a legendary hero of the country. Um, and there's a lot of daredeviling around, far too much <laughs> introspection. Hilarity ensues, um, and there's a cliffhanger um, about the diplomat being captured um, again. There's, so. a, there's a revolution at the heart of this, right? The yeah, country there are freedom yeah. yeah, I mean, if I it's think. a Marvel comic in 1970 and... Uh, it's in a Latin American country. There's a revolution, like that's yep. the whole point of a Latin American country in early Marvel comics. It's like what La- Latin American country means in Marvelese, right? Again, so like actually means yeah. I drip it off. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah us too. Like, just, it is uh, uh, okay. Yep. Not, sure. There's a, there's a there's like four more of these. Uh, so Ooh, you know, right. yeah. Good. But Rob won from four. Leaves three, <laughs> oh, which is the right. name of the story that you're going to talk about. That's kind of setting us up for success. Uh, Fantastic Four, number 110, written by Stan Lee, art by John Buscema and Joe Sinnott. Your 60 seconds begins now. Reed Richards is trapped in the negative zone uh, with a nihilist trying to kill him because of a villain called Janus who went through Reed Richards' gateway into the negative zone. Uh, all of the other teammates have gotten back to the Baxter building there. Uh, Johnny decides they're going to go back in to give Reed this gyro thing that will let him make it back through the door. So Reed and Sue held by Ben uh, go through halfway through the do- their doorway into the negative zone, throw the gyro thing <laughs> at Reed uh, who's fighting like monsters and demons and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, Meanwhile, Ben Grimm is being a total jerk because something he can now change back and forth between the Rocky thing and a human. And somehow that's affected his mind where he is trying to take over and he's just being a total butt. Uh, Then um, they manage to get the thing to read. Wackiness ensues. Reed makes it back. Agatha Harkness is totally the reason why he gets back. And I didn't even get to that. Uh, I will say that's the best summary that i've heard thus far this was a good thank comic you. Book. thank you that yeah. was a summary of 13 of 20 pages but yes that, <laughs> that was pretty good <laughs> pretty good pretty good agatha yeah, Harkness, like there's like issue. this thing about horror on the front and she's you like she reveals that she's a witch so that's the cool yeah. part like she makes multiple reads like a million reads inside of the negative zone too many here. reads uh yeah anyway it's it's a it was a pretty good uh 
issue. There's some awesome art in there too. Mm. There's that photo collage page. And then there's the shot of Ben changing from human to thing monster. Yeah. yeah it's like yeah. progressive. Each like head is more Rocky. It's He's like, yeah. Bushima doing, a, you know, Jack Kirby, his best Jack Kirby throughout the Kirby collage. Thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was like really obvious. Like, no, he's still here. Jack's yeah, still here. Right, Don't right. worry, guys. Like, it's cool. Um, okay. Uh, Jamie, uh, would you like to talk about Iron Man number 37 in this hour of Earth Doom? Oh, um, yes. It's I written. Would. Earth Doom is one word, too. Earth I Doom. Like, right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's written again by Jerry Conway. <laughs> Uh, art by Don Heck and Jim Mooney. Uh, good luck. Your 60 seconds begins now. <laughs> All right. Iron Man's really hurt after the last issue of fighting blue yellow guy from space. <laughs> um, he's really hurt. He's like limping. He gets into an alleyway. He's like maybe dying. He almost gets hit by a car, but then doesn't. Meanwhile, in space, all these other robots are coming to conquer and they're being sent by another species who have their planets dying or have died. So they bought the Earth. Essentially, they bought the Earth and they want the Earth. And um, uh, so Kevin, the Irish guy who they're forcing into the story, uh, he's looking for Tony Stark everywhere. They eventually find each other. And uh, uh, oh, oh, he reveals to... Kevin that he is Iron Man and that is shocking um, but he puts him in the suit and I think the suit makes him better and the guy who's running the aliens sees Tony Stark's girlfriend that I guess he has and his uh, attraction to her makes him call off the robots that were going to conquer Earth uh, but Tony, uh, Iron Man fights the last robot and yeah thing that was pretty close is this this is a continuation of the ramrod story right ramrod ramrod wait hold on (laughs) there's a villain called the ramrod what what it was the what was the name of the the story in the issue it had just the i might be able to get to it's it's like something like um many many men the, many it's something like ramrod and many men or something like that like i mean it was what? yeah it was uh i need to look up this person it was uh it was a real howdy sailor kind of title yeah oh among men among men stalks, stalks the ramrod, the ramrod. Yeah. among men stalks the ramrod and boy wow. is that true let me tell you listen this dude oh wow this is ramrod huh it oh, sure right. is. Yeah. Ramrod. Ramrod just sort of this big, yeah, bulky barrel of a robot guy with a tiny bullet head on yep. the top. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm about it. I love it. All right. <laughs> Good job. All right. Well, moving uh, from space to under the sea, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about Submariner number 37, the way to dusty death, which is weird because this takes place underwater, but I'm going to let that go. <laughs> Written by Roy Thomas, art by Ross Andrew, coming oh, over yeah. from DC Comics, uh, and Mike Esposito. Uh, so I'm going to start my 60 seconds right now. So uh, Namor's wedding to Dorma last issue uh, kind of took went sideways because it was revealed that Lalira... Uh, his new adversary had impersonated Dorma um, and uh, stolen her place. Uh, so now she was saying, "Is like I'm the queen of Atlantis." 
Um, but, uh, they're like, no, you're not the queen of Atlantis. Um, <laughs> that's not how laws work. <laughs> that's not how this works. Uh, so then, uh, basically Namor has to, uh, chase down Atuma who's trying to burrow under Atlantis. He also finds out that his, uh, his, what his scientist guy, uh, I can't think of his name. Um, Ichthon, uh, has been betraying Atlantis this entire time. Um, so uh, Namor fights uh, through uh, Atuma's uh, undersea earth borer thing um, and then uh, basically uh, catches up with that um, and <laughs> it gets attacked by leeches. Leeches, uh, that's yeah. Very leeches. exciting. Uh, <laughs> did, anybody else, did anybody else keep hearing all sorts like I say Atuma? Atuma. Oh, Atuma. <laughs> Not Atuma. Just me? Yeah, just me? Yeah. Oh, but, but this, the, is, this is huge. The, this is a big ending. Yeah, the big cliffhanger at the end is it appears that, uh, well, it appears Dorma dies in Namor's arms So when he's trying to rescue her. So um, maybe that's true. Yeah, lady, lady plot device Dorma. Uh, Kirk chops Lalira yeah. uh, or whatever on the back mm-hmm. of her neck, like classic Kirk chop. Yep, mm-hmm. but then dies dies for the team, or so it yeah. seems. And then he screams in Wrath of Khan style, "Dorma!" while holding her. <laughs> but like, it's like a Michael Bay moment because even the camera is below. Oh yeah. How many, how many women have been killed thus far in your reads so far? Oh, that's a good question. Tony Stark's girl, woman. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. And and almost, I mean, there's Dorma's been. We've Dora's been killed several times, right? Yeah, but it's been like an illusion yeah. or something else that we find out later. So, right. yeah, yeah, no, there's but a lot of that. So, there's not okay. a lot because the comics code won't let them just straight up kill somebody, but mm-hmm. there have been you know fake killings a lot. And then they show up with like a, a, a wrap around their head, like, oh, it's just a brain flesh wound, you know, yeah, right? Like, goes. like Nobody's- when uh. When the Falcon sister gets shot in the face, and then she, but she's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the flesh yeah. wound. How many more do you guys have to to do? Well, just one more. <laughs> one more. One more. Oh, right. oh I yeah, thought you meant the rest of the. I want to have a question, and I wanted to wait until it was all finished before. Okay. Before okay, well, get ready for this fever dream too. Yeah, um, oh, so, I like this one. Okay, Rob, it's Thor one eighty seven. The world is lost. <laughs> Written by Stan Lee, art by John Buscema and Joe Sinnott. Take us home. 60 seconds starts now. Okay. Odin had made it to the world beyond and was fighting infinity. Uh, Thor finally gets there to help him, but Odin has his brain washed by infinity and is now one of infinity's soldiers, much like the, uh, the warriors three. So, uh, Thor dies. (laughs) Um, he, Hela comes and gets him. Um, but, uh, the silent one gives him back. This all happened last issue. Gives him his life so that uh, Thor can regain his strength and go fight for fight against and fight Odin against infinity. Um, Infinity starts to mess up all the planets. The world is fully ending the, uh, the dooms, whatever, what's the name of that sword? That big old sword is um, coming out of its sheath. (laughs) Oh, the Odin sword, Uh, the Odin sword. And which means Ragnarok will happen. Um, Balder is trying to fight everybody. Balder Sif, uh, finally get uh, with the Warriors 3 to try to stop it. Oh, man, I made it to like page 17 and I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> no do I, but it's okay. Uh, Loki shows up. <laughs> Loki shows up Loki. and yeah, and Loki, they talk Loki into actually helping because uh, this is that bad that Loki, yeah. you know, won't survive. So um, Is this Loki with the big, huge horns? Loki? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the yellow, green. Yeah. 
gold and green um and reindeer games i guess everybody knows odin recognizes infinity and so does thor and thor is like we can't win and that's that's how we wrap and then up. Yeah. and then doesn't odin get possessed or something odin, odin was possessed this whole time that's yeah. right yeah. that's right yeah never mind I, right. d- I did cover that but uh, yep. other than that i didn't cover a lot well but i couldn't know. remember yeah i couldn't remember what the cliffhanger was on this one but yeah it's thor saying it's like we're screwed yeah infinity yeah. must triumph is how yeah. it ends oh yeah, yeah. he's like we have to lose and then yeah and the next uh story is it says next prepare thyself for the answer and the end and mm. i've never been more interested in this thor comic book and I, I don't know how many issues we're in i'm like love this is the first time i'm interested in thor i love it wow there yeah. you go Good for you. 187 issues. In, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, better late than never. <laughs> we we can move on to our, our final segment here, which is uh, it, we've we've given some recommendations for uh, early Marvel comics to read. Um, some recommendations for our readers uh, for things that are not Marvel comics from 1971. Um, this is our astonishing takes. Um, so. My recommendation, um, keeping with our, our Neil Adams theme, um, is We Spoke Out, Comic Books and the Holocaust, uh, which was edited by Neil Adams, Raphael Medoff, and Craig Yeo, with essays written by Raphael Medoff. Uh, so Neil Adams, uh, we know he's a brilliant artist. He's a passionate advocate for creators' rights. He was also uh, a champion for social justice. Um and so this book that he uh, helped to bring about um, is a collection of a dozen and a half comic stories published between like 1951 and 1982. Um, most of them were published during that era after World War II, uh, but before the Holocaust had really become a part of the public consciousness in America. Um, so during this time, several of the creators, including Adams, um, were Jewish and they wanted to use their very accessible and affordable medium to make sure that their readership knew what had happened to the Jews during the Holocaust. So it's uh, this kind of terrific collection of some amazing and some like, honestly, some mediocre comics um, that are all about they're Holocaust related in some way or another. Like some of them were war stories where they reference what happened there. Some of them are, you know, like a Batman chasing down uh, a concentration camp guard, um, you know, years later, things like that. Um, and uh, it's interspersed with short essays about the creators and the topics that they cover. Um, it, one of the uh, issues that's in there is that Captain Marvel story that we covered with Elliot Kalin when he was on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Stan Lee writes the introduction and the afterword to the book. Um, it's very strange and it's it's very moving to read Stan write about such a very serious and personal thing. Um, it's you know not at all uh, what you read him write hmm. uh, all that often. Um, and so I, I really highly recommend it as a piece of comics history, um, as a piece of history history, um, and also just as some insight into uh, Adam's passion for social justice. So nice. Yeah. Cool. Good recommendation. Thank you. Yeah. Rob, what do you got? Well, um, as I mentioned at the top with my time off, I spent it, of course, reading a whole bunch of comics that weren't old Marvel comics, which is what I usually do. Um, uh, So I read the entire six volume set of Saga of the Swamp Thing by Alan Moore, among many other things. But that uh, I hadn't reread the stories for years since, uh, since the nineties. And, um, um, 
so this this it's by Alan Moore wrote all of them with um with native Vermonter for you Brian um yes, artist thank you. Stephen mm. Bissett and non-native uh Vermonter uh John, <laughs> John John Totalbin and uh and then later Rick Veach um mm-hmm. comes on to this to this uh team too um and the the art is it held up really well first of all I I was so excited that it did that I still cared about it. I cared about even the volume that crosses over with the crisis on infinite earth story in the oh, DC right. universe. So mm-hmm. it made weirdly, it established something cooler about that whole superhero universe deal crossover. Uh, it, um, so it, it, yeah, it, it just made that more interesting and made it more impactful that whole story by this Alan Moore side story. Um, and, and it, the art is just unbridled. It looks like Gene Colan, uh, with no reins whatsoever. Um, mm. and it veers from, uh, landscapes to detailed buildings and towns to psychedelic horrors with, with just every page turn. Um, and the writing is the main thing that's Alan Moore while he's writing the Watchmen. Um, while he's doing other things that, you know, people know he's working on this, this huge swamp thing arc. Um, Mm -hmm. so he, uh, he also creates and introduces everyone's favorite bastard of a magician, John Constantine in this run. Um, so, um, he just took this swamp creature dumb thing and turned it into such a meaningful story. Um, and, and just everything about it, uh, it's it's impactful about environmental reasons about equality in so many different ways about um just uh and, and then it's at the same time it's a truly great horror comic um that runs adjacent to the superhero universe and then mm-hmm. it even flips into sci-fi when veach gets there and it's crazy sci-fi um yeah. like it's beautiful in ways like the like the black bolt um run we were talking about uh, earlier about um, Saladin Abed's run. Like it's got that kind of art quality. that's very angular and designed at that phase where it's all like this loose and flowy art um, through most of the horror parts of the comic. It's just, it is, it's worth rereading if you've read some of them or want to read some more Alan Moore stuff. Um, I highly recommend it. So you're, Going out on a limb there and saying Alan Moore's Swamp Thing is pretty Once good. again, I'm uh, yeah, I'm really pushing the limits, challenging everybody's belief systems by saying Alan Moore is a good comic book writer. Uh, <laughs> so it is, yeah, it it is an absolutely gorgeous book. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I, I, my uh, my first couple volumes are are signed and sketched in by Steve Bissett because nice. I used to see him at at comic conventions all the time in Vermont. So, and I think it was at a thing that he was doing that Dave Sim was there too. Uh, and that's where I met Gene Colan very oh, briefly. Nice. So yeah, didn't get a sketch or anything. Didn't get an autograph. Didn't know anything. Cause I was a dumb kid, but <laughs> I was there. Uh, Jamie, uh, you got a recommendation? Yeah. I, unbelievably I'm picking up, uh, from right where Rob left off, but with an even more obvious recommendation, Ooh. uh, I have been rereading Watchmen. Nice. Oh, which is obviously like the most recommended comic thing maybe ever, but uh, I haven't read it in a lot of years and certainly since, not since doing the podcast. 
and certainly not since uh, the introduction of Douglas Woke into into our lives or my life at least. Um, it, it's crazy. <laughs> like I know anyone who hasn't read it and is tired of hearing everyone talk about it, like they're talking about it for a reason. I hate popular stuff like that. It's so annoying to read something that you know is going to be good. It's seriously that good. It's it's so dense. So I've been going back and forth between my Peter David uh, X Factor '90s omnibus, which nice. weighs a thousand pounds. <laughs> and is so joyful and it's so fun. I can read 10 issues of that in the time it takes me to read one issue of Watchmen. It is so dense and beautiful. And it's like, for anyone who's going to pick it up, it, it's such an exercise in slowing down. Like you have you have to like really study it. And it, it is such a different experience. And I'm really like relishing that. Just going through that experience now, like knowing a little bit about comics and, and like, the craft. I'll, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, Witchman yeah. is yeah. a Witchman. <laughs> Alan Alan Mir, I think. Alan, yeah. I think his name is Alan. Alan yeah. Mir. <laughs> Alan Helen Mir. Mirren. Yeah, Hel- yeah. Helen Mirren. <laughs> yeah, check out. So check out Witchman yeah. by Helen Mirren. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> uh, Nick, do you have a uh, anything you've been reading lately that uh, you'd like to shout? It could be to any. Our it can be comics. It can be shows. Whatever. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Putting you on the hot seat. Oh, goodness. On the spot. But, I mean, the only thing that I can think of uh, that I read recently that I, since I work in a comic book shop, I, like, demand everyone buy it because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I have that power. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, it is the uh, the Many Deaths of Lois Star. Ooh. I feel like I've told you guys about this already. Uh-huh. But uh, it's written by Ron V. And it's basically just a story of death. Uh, loses uh, her job because someone on Earth uh, invents a way for people to live forever. Ooh. And so they decided to cast death down to be a human on Earth. And death decides to go and kill this person before they invent whatever they're going to invent so that she can get a job back. And (laughs) she finds out that becoming a human comes with human emotions and human thoughts and human Mm. feelings. So she can't just go kill a little baby because it's a little baby, of course. And uh, the, the whole story goes through, like the way it's written, it's just written in such a way that a lot of people, like a lot of Western storytelling and writers when they write something it just doesn't have the same uh intenseness i guess as it's very i just think it's very well written Mm -hmm. and the artist uh felipe can't remember more of it but i love his art it just adds to the beautiful like storytelling that and the, the the dialogue and the imagery is just so well done. Like there's a part of the uh, the story where uh, someone takes a, uh, a blow. I don't know how you how did someone blow, smoke a cigarette. Someone takes a puff, a puff of on a yep. cigarette, mm-hmm. a drag, and that cigarette monologues that person's life. Whoa! And it kind of tells that one part of the story that links death into that person's life. And 
the way it's written is just so fascinating. And then another one, there was a part where uh, Death has a conversation with a temple. And the temple's falling apart because no one goes in to worship there anymore. And it's just this fascinating, I don't know, I just think it's really good. Cool. Wow. I Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I, I picked it up on your recommendation. And I'm actually halfway through it. Uh, I started reading it last night. Um, yeah. and I'm, I'm really digging it. Uh, it gives me... Um, it has like, it, without being derivative of it or anything and, and being its own thing, like it just gives me some like really good classic Sandman vibes. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, beyond the superficial level of, you know, it's like, well, they both personify death, you know, yeah. um, but it's just like, yeah, it's got sort of this like, um, like each issue is its own self-contained story that is building a bigger thing. Um, yeah. It's really like the, the boy doesn't uh, find a way to cure death because he wants to cure death is because he comes across death so many times that he's just fascinated by how this person's been alive. Cause whenever, so this is the many deaths. So Layla, she dies and she comes back like maybe 10, 15 years later. Mm-hmm. And the baby is now like a teenager is now an adult, is now an old man. And whenever she shows up in his life, he's she stays. She's exactly the same. So he's just like trying oh. to figure out how she can do that. And every time she shows up, something horrible happens to him. Like someone dies or someone leaves him. So he just atones that person to the most horrific times in his life. Yeah, and it's just really fascinating. Wow, yeah. it's so that's that premise feels so strong. And it, that I I love the question of like what what's a book and what's a comic book and like, mm-hmm. like where how you flip that switch. Like that, that sounds like such a novel to me. I'd, I'd mm-hmm. love to see pictures attached to it. That sounds crazy. Yeah. It's great. And, and the, the art is gorgeous also. Um, hey, wait, 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 wait. We've been talking for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous art. You, Nick, you, you make comic books. Yes. I, yeah, I'm, I, we didn't bring that up. I'm, I do. A, I, yes, I draw. I'm a painter. I'm an artist. That's what I do. You make I've beautiful illustrations, by the way. I've, looked at your site a few times since we first met and uh and since i knew what your you know phone your name was so i could find it but uh yeah it your your style is it's so beautiful do you sell uh do you sell your illustrations i know you had a store link but i didn't see there's nothing on it um yeah i not at the moment i just to be honest i'm trying to focus all of my energy on making a comic. Uh-huh. So, and as I, I'm, I'm sure you know, that is a very daunting and a hard thing to do. Uh, it's taken up a lot of my my time. So I haven't really been making uh, art to sell, um, right. except for the one comic that I did put out. The Prince of the, uh, the, Prince P, of the which P. is outstanding. Yeah. Oh, I thank you. It's um, so good. Yeah, I'm much better now. So I guess that's <laughs> the uh, um, But yeah, I, you know, I, I, my, I'm traditional. I'm a traditional painter. Uh, did galleries, all that things, but I've always wanted to do comics. So I'm trying to do that jump. And uh-huh. so yeah, that's what that is. So I don't really have anything besides my original paintings that cost way too much for people to buy so they just hang out in my house so <laughs> <laughs> well well nick uh 
if if Jordan D. White wants to uh, offer you a gig drawing the uh, the X title of your choice, uh, how would he find you on the internet? <laughs> oh, uh, he would find me on. Uh, ooh, so uh, I mostly do all of my everything to Instagram, which mm-hmm. is Cordell or, uh, and um, my website, which is Nicholas Cordell or go on there and I have my email and such on there. Is it Nicholas Cordell or? I would like to look at the header. (laughs) Outstanding. We'll make sure that 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 gets linked in the show notes too. Uh, Oh yeah. But yeah, it's uh, technology. Yeah. You're a, you're, you're a great follow and a brilliant artist. And thank you so much for, for doing this insane show with us. Thank you for having me. This is a long time in the making. Yeah. I'm so glad we were able to make it happen. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty much it, man. Uh, I can't think of anything else to say about comics or these comics or <laughs> my <laughs> brain is melting. I think we better sign off before I just stop. Uh, so uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you, Nick, for joining us. Um, and hey, uh, if you'd like to hear the the full version of this episode, uh, subscribe to our Patreon for the fantastic price of four bucks a month at patreon.com slash Marvel by the month. Um, we have like 40 something episodes on there now um, wow. on the bonus feed. So, um, yeah, some of them are like twice the length of the uh, public version. So if you didn't get enough of this, there's where you get more. Um, you, I'm delightful, too. Yeah, <laughs> just just so you know, you're, you're not going to be disappointed. No, yeah, worth the price. If we of edited mission. out anything that makes Nick not sound delightful, <laughs> that's on Brian. <laughs> uh, and you can let us know about it. We uh, we're looking for reviews uh, of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, whatever you use to listen to us. Honestly, we're not fussy. Um, <laughs> if you'd like some free stuff in the mail, send us a screenshot of your five star review to marvelbythemonth at gmail uh, you can find us on Instagram at Marvel by the month. Um, we're on Twitter as well, but, but you know what? Let's just see how that goes for the next few months before we, uh, <laughs> we resume promoting that. Um, Marvel by the month.com has links to our other social channels as well as our shop. That is all for now. I am tapping out. Uh, my name is Brian Stratton. I'm Rob Milne. I'm Jamie Wenger. And we will see you next week for next month. And until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay inside and read comics.